Greetings, ladies and gents, and welcome to the latest chapter of First Contact, taken from the subreddit HFY. All the relevant links will be down below. Please like, comment, and subscribe, like any evil genius of the algorithm would do. And, as always, I hope that you enjoy. A quick thank you to the T5 peeps. Bob the Dragon, Data Magnet, Cat Crab Lobster, Dark Machine, Try Again 95, Astray the Dreamer, Mezik, Budic Joel, German Chemist, Casper Arnholtz, and Chaos to Must. Thank you very much. Chapter 381 The shuttle bobbled slightly as it sat down. The engines giving slowly unwinding whine was the vibration stopped. Nectar T looked at Major Carnite and frowned slightly. What? the Terran asked. Why the noise? Graviton is normally silent, she asked. Carnite nodded. It makes us Terrans feel better. We know the engine is shut down. Think of it as an audible warning. Nectati nodded. It was one of those things that she'd meant to ask about, but had gotten caught up in a whirlwind that had become her life. Carnite stood, moving to the door of the shuttle. Nectati frowned as he half drew his magak pistol, standing in the doorway as it slowly opened. The level of paranoia seemed excessive. The shuttle was heavily armored with battle screens. Garnite was wearing his adaptive camouflage with armor panels and carrying a fully loaded magak pistol and a Mark II cutting bar on his hip. He looked outside, then turned and waved. This way, Madam Diplomat, he said seriously. Nectati sighed. The level of formality had spiked since they had arrived in the Pubbian system, and to be honest, she had expected more of the gentle species since every Terran she knew were all full of puffies and excited. Major Carnite moved out of the door, hopping out the shuttle. As Nectati approached the stairs descending for her as she looked in what was beyond. A formal-looking building made of sparkling marble set in the middle of an immaculate lawn she could count on three fountains and three gardeners, all fully covered pavians working on the shrubs. She moved down the steps, slightly amused that she was not wearing the veils and full body covering, but instead a comfortable Tinbaru bodysuit with warm and soft gripping slippers. The pavians are unsure of how to proceed, Nectati, Major Carnite said when she finished descending down the steps. He made a motion and led her towards what was supposedly his diplomatic residence. My, Nectati said, gripping the carved wooden rod with her hands tightly. Your shipboard personnel have all jobs, but they found no security detachment, he said. He gave a slight chuckle. Except me. So, mind the problem, Nectati said, relishing in the feel of real grass beneath her feet. She let Major Carnite walk on the laid stones of the path and instead walked on the grass next to him. You have to remember, when they met us, we were, well, a little more militant, Major Carnite said. He sounded slightly embarrassed. Terra, humans, had just finished three back-to-back walls, some pretty nasty stuff, including a temporal incursion. We left Fortress Sol and met the Pavians soon after we met the Rigelians. I thought you didn't fight the Rigelians, Nectati said. We didn't. Terra fought the Skravik, who invaded Rigelian space less than a year after we met the Rigelians, he said, and winced slightly. To the better end, he glanced at her. We tried to save them. We really did. 
when we found out the purpose of the beautiful crystalline, almost butterfly-like ships that were behind every warship. They exploded when the warship was destroyed no matter what we did. We tried everything to save them. He stopped, reaching out and poking a sharp-looking thorn on the stem of a flower that Nectati found quite beautiful to see and pleasant to smell. We would have helped them. We really would have, he said softly. But instead, they just kept coming. Wave after wave. You knocked over. And then it was over. And they were gone from the universe. No homeworld, no clue where they came from, just gone. Nectati let Karnai be silent for a moment, watching him press his fingertips against the thorn, then let up on the pressure, only to do it again. The razor edge of the thorn glittered, but was unable to even mar the Terran's skin. He had been slightly strange since they had arrived, and Nectati had begun to worry about him. She could see the three flashing LEDs beneath the skin of his neck. What does it have to do with the Pumpians? she asked. Karnai jerked as if she had physically struck him, and looked at her, his eyes a dull red. We met the Pavians, and the Pavians engaged in their typical dominance games, he said. They hit a colony, pacified it, and let us know that they were the reigning power in the sector. Nectati stayed silent. She could only faintly hear traffic and the sounds of the city beyond the walls of the diplomatic estate that she was standing on. The breeze was warm, but felt gently somehow. We had just gotten done fighting the Skrivik, just finished with the temporal incursion. We were in no mood to have someone roll up on us and slap us across the face, he said. We only had about twenty colonies total, and the Pavians had just taken one away, and were busy installing their own government. Nectati reached out and took his hand in one of hers. And then? To the Pavians, we should have, if we could, taken back our colony and taken over one of theirs. Carnite said. Instead, we leveled their fleet, stomped their colony forces, made orbital strikes on their colonies, and landed in force on their home world and the home system, Carnite said. They slapped us, challenged us to a duel. We stuck a barrel of a pistol in their mouth and told them to prepare to meet their gods. Nectati nodded. Six months ago, she would have been shocked, horrified. We calmed down after the Second Terran Banded War, after the fall of the Imperium, after we had completely lost ourselves in the bloodlust and rage. They did not see that part, did not experience, but they can believe it, he said. He looked up at the clouds in the sky. So now they're unsure of how to treat us. They know that in 8,000 years and some change, we've done nothing but get stronger. We somehow brought them back to life after getting xenocided, so now they're really unsure of the power dynamics. Nectati shifted a grip on a stick, putting one end in the ground, holding tight to it with three other hands, and leaned forward on it. She had seen elders perform the same action and could suddenly appreciate it. Pavians don't like being unsure of how the power dynamics lie, Carnite admitted. He stopped pressing his finger on the point of the thorn and looked down at her. So, they're being really careful. To them, their complete and utter curb-stomping was only a few decades ago. To us, it was eight or nine thousand years ago. Nectati nodded, moving towards the doors of the estate's manor, gently tugging Major Carnite with her. 
She had noticed that despite the fact that there was no way she could actually move the massive primate with a gentle tug, he followed her as if he were a child. Pack bonding instincts, she thought to herself. I understand it. My people feel much the same way. We had become traders, commodity brokers, consortium leaders, with massive convoys and freighters, Nectati said. Then the Precocers destroyed it all, and we are unsure of our place in the universe now. So you can understand the Pavian hesitancy when discovered that your security detail consists of a single Terran with a Magak pistol and advanced combat system implants, Major Carnite said. They're unsure if the Terrans now consider a single man the equivalent of what would have been a combined arms brigade when they met us. The unsure if it would insult you to offer their own security forces, or if you have a cultural taboo against security forces, or even if it's a sign of your species' dominance that all you need for protection is a single human. Nectati laughed. Do they not realize that we ran from Terra when the Lanak Lan attacked it? with just enough crew to do a test voyage. Nectati stopped next to the fountain, that the path divided to a circle before rejoining to lead to the steps of the manor. She leaned back on the stick, looking at the water. The sand had golden flecks and blackish blue. There were small fish inside the water, moving around lazily. They are still trying to figure out how that changes the power dynamics, Carnite admitted. Can you blame them, Nectati said. I understand how they must be feeling. Now I understand why they gifted my people with this manner, why they have invited me to a diplomatic function despite my insistence that I am not a diplomat. Major Carnite looked down at her, checking his retinal link to see her vitals. She was calm, collected, everything stable at her vitals baselines. She looked away from the fish swimming lazily in the fountain. Let us take a tour of the manor and then summon the Clothiers, she said softly. Put out of your mind politics and games of dominance, she tugged on his hands. Your job is to protect me. She tapped her gripping stick on the cut stones of the walk. Politics and games of dominance are a tenvaru matron's milk and honey, she said. Nectati stood and looked at the outfit in the mirror. It was holographic only. The Bavian woman around her gossiping as they rapidly put together the gown from the fabric that they had bought with them. Nectati had been surprised that they didn't use even basic fabric extruders like the Lanicklan. Instead, it was a mass amount of cloth for the Bavian females called bolts, wrapped around a wooden dowel with handles sticking out the sides. Her implant showing a translation of speech over their heads as they chatted in their native language. Give him another chance, since we are all returned to life, one was saying. I've had time to think through what we had done and realize that perhaps it was not a bad thing. But he slept with your sister, another one said. The first one gave the equivalent of a shrug. Eh, my sister's unlucky in love. She is very docile and submits to me now that I have informed her that I will allow my husband to service her twice a week in my discretion. She is much more pleasant to be around, the third said. Her speaking voice is uh, screechy as a Trianidad matron that has discovered her daughter has eaten all of the ice cream. They all made of boar or Pavian snicker. Nectati kept her face still as another Pavian draped a necklace around her neck, nestling the pendant between her memories. Pavians love their jewelry, she thought, just like my people do, a common thread that I can use during the diplomatic function. 
Then your husband is doing a community service to the entire city and satiating her appetites, so she is no longer such a chore to be around, the wolf said, giving a giggle. Perhaps we should just have a cast made of his genitals, and then we can have a copy of them cast in gold and wool steel for all to admire. All four of them laughed at Nectati, kept her face motionless. Gossip, spousal trouble, bonding over gossip, jewelry, and now fine fabric clothing. Nectati thought to herself, running her blunt claw down the sheer fabric and luxuriating in the feel of the cloth weave. We have much in common. A glance showed her that Major Carnite was only a few steps away. His feet shoulder-width apart, his open hands are one atop the other behind his back. His elbows at a near perfect 90 degrees. His back straight, chin lifted, chest out, shoulders squared. Nectati had to admit it was an impressive pose that suggested a dangerous competence and a willingness to instantly move into action should he be called upon, while appearing perfectly at ease and relaxed. Two of the seamstresses stood up and moved over to her, adding to the soft sheer cloth covering her face. It is so nice that you have fur, one said. It is difficult to create fashions for Terrans, Mantids, and Trianidad, much less the Rygelians, as they lack the proper amount of fur. I can imagine, Nectadi said. Your people must have been alarmed to encounter a hairless one so fierce and dominant. The one who suggested a statue be made of the other Puppian female's husband's genitals. My ship is being attacked by a precursor autonomous war machine, Nectadi said. We were grateful for the assistance. Is it true that you met Daxon of the Janissary? One asked. Nectati nodded. Yes, he's the one who saved my ship and crew. All four of them gave a giggle and a shiver. How do you know him? Nectati asked. Everyone knows Daxon of the Janissary, the oldest Pavian said. She stepped back and rubbed her fuzzy chin with her middle hand. Is it true that the rest of the immortal Janissary are dead, lost, and forgotten battlefield? Nectati nodded. Yes. Over the centuries, the Terrans have been involved in many conflicts. Many have died. The Terrans are a domineering people, obviously the youngest one said. Well, be unto those who seek to dominate those who will not submit. Nectati nodded as Lisa put up her arms and the oldest began running an auto-stitcher around her arm with well-trained and highly skilled fingers. Yes, she said, glancing at the mirror. Major Carnite stood staring at a point above everyone's head. Nectati could see the light on the part of his Magak pistol blinking steadily, telling the whole world that it was armed and the smart link was engaged. Well, indeed. Nectati sat and brushed her fur slowly, wearing the delicate and well-tailored modesty clothing that the seamstress had designed to go on underneath the ground. She had listened closely to the gossip knowing that there was no way that any Pubians who would be allowed near her had not been vetted, coached, and given a script. It had been enjoyable listening to their gossip and banter, avoiding giving too precise of an answer to any of the idle-seeming questions posed by the dressmakers. She had known it was all a test. The Pubians were testing her abilities. She wished her mother was present with her. Sangbre was canny and experienced, a political inviter with decades of experience and matronhood and leading a star trading consortium. But she knew that wishes were for children. She was the one who was present, which meant that it was all on her. A puppy and servant came in, bowing. 
Matron Nectati, there is a communications request for your bodyguard, the Terran Major Carnite. The Bavians said, the face hidden by a mask and the six hidden by a voice modulator. For Major Carnite, why announce it to me? Nectati asked, still brushing her fur. It's a full channel high band with real-time hypercom transmission, Matron, the Bavian said. Nectati considered it, frowning slightly. She wondered who would send that kind of message to Major Garnite. Very well, put it through, she said. Matron, it is full EVR. You would be included in the call, the Bavian warned. By all means, put it through, Nectati said, not bothering to stop brushing her fur. Another test, must be, Nectati thought. She turned to Major Carnite and smiled at him. This must be an important communication. Nectati sensed something strange in the Terran stance, in his facial expression, but did not worry. The room shivered slightly as the EVR came on. A Terran woman appeared at the far end of the room, sitting on what looked to Nectati as a throne. She had a skirt made of fine leather and decorated with precious metals and gems. Her hair was in a complex braid, wires of precious metals running through it, ornaments and gems glittering in her braided black hair. Her skin was a deep, rich brown, and dust from precious gems glittered on her skin. Nectati noticed she was also bare from the waist up, a direct opposite to the social norms for modesty that Nectati had learned about. The Tinvaru could see that the Terran woman's mammary glands were swollen with milk, and two small infant Terrans were on her lap. One attached to her breast, its eyes closed holding tight, the other laying on the Terran woman's lap. Devi, there you are, the woman said, lifting her hand from where she had been patting the sleeping infant's back and giving it a leisurely wave. I was starting to wonder if you would ever answer my call. Major Karnai moved up next to Nectati, letting her grab one of his hands. Nectati was careful not to grab the one that she knew he would use to fire the pistol. What do you want, sister of mine? Major Carnite asked. Why, to simply see how my brother fares in this malevolent universe, the woman said. My liege lord, King Nganto, urged me to contact you with everything that has occurred. Nectati had been around Major Carnite long enough to recognize the slight tightening in his eyes. You are doing this in front of your court, aren't you? he asked. The Terran woman laughed, sliding a finger between the breast and the cheek of the infant, breaking the suction. She transferred the baby, who made a slight sleepy noises of discomfort and annoyance, to other breasts as she laughed. Of course I am, Devi. I am, after all, nobility. My people are keenly interested in seeing me contact my long-lost brother, she said, still smiling. Nectati could see it. And they had the same eyes. What do you want? Major Carnite snapped. To extend a formal invitation to His Royal Majesty, King Nganto, to the Tumbara matron Nectati. He offers his, his protection and succor during these times, when a malevolent universe seeks again to wrest away everything beautiful, she smiled. That will remain up to her, Major Carnite said, his voice cold. She seeks the Confederate Senate. Ma. The woman waved a hand again, making the nursing infant open its eyes and look around for a moment, holding tight to the breast, the nipple staying in the infant's mouth as it pulled back slightly to look around. The woman gave a wry smile. Ah, Devi, still dancing with the cooling corpse on the ballroom floor, as if you can bring it back to life. She suddenly leaned forward, her face going from bored laziness to such an intent predatory stare that Ektati almost stepped back. 
she was aware the two Pavians who had been watching immediately pressed their faces to the floor in submission. The Confederacy is dead. The Margite killed the Confederacy as surely as spear thrust through the heart or killed the Archmages right before this very dais, she said. Admitted Devon, it's dead. It's shambling corpse, a zombie shambling along, completely unaware it is dead. She leaned back. Come to me. I'll protect you when Space Force's strength fails against humanity's foes. The Confederacy isn't dead, sis, Carnite snapped. You've been singing that tune for over a hundred years, and the Confederacy is still here. A corpse lies on the floor until someone buries it, the woman said. She gave a laugh. Did you approach the Senate yet? Yes, Carnite said, and found it was naught but specters and memories, the woman said. She leaned back, tapping her fingers on the arm of her throne. She turned her attention to Nectati. Tell me, matron, don't you feel it, the chill of the grave of the Confederacy that one foot firmly planted within? Nectati shook her head. No. Everywhere I turn, I see life. She waved her left gripping hand. Here upon Pavia, there is life. Not blasted rock and death. Nectati leaned forward. Can you return life to the dead on such a scale? The Terran woman laughed and looked at Major Carnite. No, I like her. She looked back at Nectati. I cannot wait to meet you in person so that I can present you His Royal Majesty's Court of Wonders, she said. She pointed towards Major Carnite. Bring my wayward brother with you, and I shall reward you not just you, but your people. You need allies, you'll need trading partners, and I offer that to you. She leaned forward again, and Nectati realized both of the infants were staring at her. Bring him to me, and I shall reward you beyond you and your people's wildest dreams, she said. The Confederacy is dying, as all empires do. Do not let his blood and life be spent in the defense of dreams of a dying beast. She looked to the side. This conversation is over. Oracle, let your magic cease. The hypercom transmission suddenly ended with the words... Confederate Diplomatic Communication System, appearing mid-air for a handful of seconds before vanishing. Nectati turned and looked at Major Carnite. She seems nice, Nectati said. Major Carnite just nodded stiffly. End of chapter. Chapter 382 The heavily armored Gravlimmer settled down with the characteristic whine of a depowering Gravlifters. We like to know when something's working, went through matron Captain Nectati's mind. Her bodyguard slash friend Major Garnite's voices quiet. The Major got out first, from where he had been sitting next to the puppier driver. Nectati watched him make a quick scan, then open up the door for her. The stairs automatically unfolded as she set down her wine glass and stood up. She was clad in expensive cloth, her dress leaving her hands and her gripping arms free. She had an entire jewelry set on her body, the precious metal and gems gleaming and glittering in the lights of the cameras that jockeyed for position to get a good recording of her. She slowly moved out of the limo, taking her time, not bothering to rush. A hasty Tinvaru was a foolish Tinvaru. She paused halfway down and let the journalist's flycams get a good footage of her, then descended the rest of the way to stop at the bottom of the stairs her feet on the flat flagstones of the walk. Major Carnite's eyes were dull red as he followed Matron Nectati into the lavish building. He kept scanning the rooftops, examining the journalists. 
His retinal link checked the journalists against a master list of profiles that he'd loaded up, so far making everyone green. They were all puppies. The flagstar led to stairs, which led to a door, which led to a hall, which opened into a large hall. Food was set up on either side of the room. Music was being performed by a large band of piped through discreet speakers. Drinks were plentiful, and fully mastered and covered pavians moved about with dishes. The first thing that struck Nectarty was how many pavians were unmasked, outside of a mime rental suits or hazard armor. The amount of fur on display wasn't scandalous, not by Nectarty standards, but it was almost shocking after days of only seeing the seamstresses outside of the hazard suits. Nectarty paused for a long moment just inside, letting the servants remove her long gauzy cape from her shoulders and carry it away. Accepting a glass of wine, that her implant compared to the visible to the naked eye markings on the crystal glass to the database in her implant to inform her that the wine was able to be metabolized by her system and would act like a wine rather than something terrible that would leave her embarrassed. She sipped at the chilled wine, not showing any surprise at the industrial diamonds at the bottom, their perfect clarity making them almost invisible inside the white wine. The glass had small gold lines around the room that let her know the wine was provided by a heavy industrial concern. An appreciable and surprising subtle display, she thought to herself as her eyes scanned the crowd. Union leaders, political officers, corporate magnates, consortium leaders, military officers, regional governors and more. She choked back a laugh when her implant caught Major Carnite's hand and labeled him Terran Military Liaison, extremely dangerous, approach with submission as a warning. Deciding to move to where she felt most comfortable, she slowly moved across the room, weaving between the small groups discussing and plotting. Her shoes had a slight glow to them, spilling light an inch or so to either side. That changed color slowly as she walked. Again, she had to suppress an expression of amusement. Her catching shoulders only came up to Major Carnite's belt line, making her only half his size and a quarter of his mass. She was the same size as the Pavians, meaning Major Carnite strode through the crowd like a giant. She took the time to examine the reaction of the Pavians to him. They were unmasked, much to their fur exposed to reveal patterns, dyes, and decorations. Many of the females wearing gauzy outfits designed to obviously titillate others. She knew to her bones that the alluring display had almost nothing to do with the carnality and everything to do with dominance over others, including those who did not reach the same standards by the cultural beauty norms as the person making the display. This was a bad world she was more experienced at. Again, she wished her mother was here. Matron Sangra was a veteran of a thousand battlefields, leaving behind nothing but allies and wreckage in her wake, who had grappled with enemies in the consortium corporate boardroom even before Nectati was conceived. But her mother was trapped on terror, which had somehow removed itself from the universe to battle the might of the Lanictalan Empire. Nectati felt a slow shiver her spine at the thought of being trapped between a highly martial lemurs and the unending tide of Lanaglan martial might. Her implant let her know who was in the small group that made up the gap for her in the huddled group as she approached to let her know that she was welcome. 
perhaps eagerly, to join them. She pretended not to notice the way the Pubian stared at Major Carnite, whose dress uniform made him look, if anything, more dangerous and competent than his battle dress. Perhaps it was the fact that the tailored uniform, resplendent with the warts and gold and brass and wall steel decorations, was in sharp contrast to the utilitarian, almost brutally so, Mark II cutting bar and the heavy magag pistol at his waist. Or perhaps it was because he was taller, thicker, and more massive than everyone around him. Matron Nectati, a pubian, the implant marked as Dr. Shankari said, lifting a glass slightly. How do you find our world? The setup was too perfect. She had seen too many of the Terran entertainment videos. You leave jump space and there you are, vault planet from your stellar mass, she said softly, nodding slightly and giving a slight smile. My navigator would know more, as I'm merely the ship's captain, and he's the one who makes sure I don't fly us into the side of a random monolith. I got laughter, and the doctor who'd asked the question smiled with amusement, sparkling in her eyes. It was slightly strange for Nektati, who'd been only around Tenvaru and Terence for the last two years, to see someone with completely biological eyes that did not hold a glow. But she pushed the strangeness aside. Is it true that you've been to Earth recently? Another female asked. Nectati's implant informed her that the female was the leader of the shipping company. How are the Earthlings? Earthlings, Nectati frowned before her implant could give her any answers. Oh, Terrans, the female said. They call their world Earth and they call themselves Earthlings. Or at least, they did when we knew them. Point to you, Nectati thought. Her implant was throwing up information that Earth was another word for dirt. They used the word for dirt for their planet's name, which makes sense. The dirt that they could touch was their world. It makes their world less an esoteric thing and more something that they can touch, experience, and provides a deep connection to their world. It would be easy to mistake it as dimness or a cultural quirk. No, it has to do with how they see themselves, made from the dirt made from the earth itself by powerful deities in their ancient legends and oral histories. They are children of that planet, children of the dirt itself. Earth, as a planet's name, makes sense, she thought, all of it going through her mind in less than a second. They call themselves Terrans and Solarians, or Terran descent humanity now, Nectati said. She knew her next sentence was critical and went the way of consolation. Earth and Earthling sounds much more friendly. They must have been close to you indeed. We have only known them for a little over two of their years. The only one who spoke nodded, breaking her ears, as did the other gathered females. Of course, it could be the fact that the Terran military is what my people have largely seen, Ektati finished. Another one, this one labeled as the owner and CEO of a pharmaceutical megacorp, accepted another glass of wine and turned back to Nectati. So, the malevolent universe, as the Earthlings believe, have decided to again test its hated children. Nectati nodded. The Unified Civilized Council, specifically the Lanaklan, who are the dominant species of the council, ruling with the others with an iron fist, she said. One of the precursor species who have dominated their part of the galactic stub for over a hundred million years. A younger female, the daughter of a Pavian female that owned hundreds of medical clinics, spoke up. They will not rule a hundred and one million years, she said softly. 
The humans will wrap them in chains and blood and draw them down into the waters of history. Dagot nods and slight looks at Natati to see how she would answer, to either prove or disprove the younger one's claims. Nectati accepted a small tuft of vegetation, dipped it in a sauce and nibbled on it. The Unified Council possesses thousands, perhaps tens of thousands of worlds, tens of billions of soldiers, trillions of citizens with just the Lanaktalan, not to mention the rest of the member species of the Unified Council. She spoke. She took another nubble. However, militarily, the Lanaktalan and the Unified Military Council like everyone else who has tried their hand against the Terrans, have come up lacking. From what I understand, there is very little militarily that the Unified Council can do to resist the Terrans. Is it true that they were foolish enough to attack Earth itself? To throw themselves against the fortress soul? Another asked again. Nectati noticed it was a younger one, granddaughter to a mining consortium. Nectati nodded. The Lanagdalan are not known for their pattern recognition especially when the pattern is not one that they want to see. The mantid diplomatic team could have told them how foolish it was to attack Terra, had they asked. There was a silence for a long second and Nectati watched the others carefully. All of you are more nervous than a two-legged male at a genital kicking contest. An older one suddenly snapped, stepping forward. Nectati's implant tagged her as the CEO and owner of multiple megacorps, two shipping lines, a signing label, and even an entertainment video studio. After the Manta destroyed us, attacked Earth, attacked the Trianidad, the female said. They did not attack the Trianidad. They offered them a truce, Nectati said. The Trianidad had the numbers to offset the Mantid. The older Puffian nodded. Well, uh, once the Third Republic had been attacked, she paused for a second, and Nectati could feel the tension wrapped up. What happened? Nectati didn't say anything. What? What happened to the Mantid? Why did the Earthlings spare them? How did the Earthlings spare them? Cristalli asked, her eyes wide and her nose wrinkling slightly with the stress. She glanced at Major Carnite. The Third Republic was only a few short weeks ago for us. How did the Mantid defeat the immortal Janissary? Another whispered. They all are gone, but Daxon. How? How did the Confederacy rise? The oldest one, Cristari, made a chopping motion with the middle hand. Enough! She looked at Nectati. We do not want the story in the histories. In the history files, it seemed to have been altered while we were dead. We want to know the truth. She took a deep breath, leaning forward. Tell us, outside our fishildom, is the Terran Confederacy strong enough to resist another species of ancient ones come to destroy all that is soft and wonderful? Nectati thought for a long moment. I fear, she said softly. She glanced at Major Carnite, making it obvious to the surrounding female Puvians that the answer is less can they defeat the Unified Council, but what does the malevolent universe really intend on producing? That made them all nod. Riffledrex, a female Puvian who owned Starliners, nodded slowly. Terror was attacked by precursor autonomous war machines before they even colonized another stellar system. One of the females, whose names were small type, said softly, their first precursor contact. The Mantid attacked, wiped us out, wiped out the Umnavera, damaged the Terrans. Another small type labeled female, said softly, hugging herself with two outside arms. Then a second precursor attacked you, 
a precursor autonomous war machine built by the Mantid. And he was saved by Daxon the Janissary, who fought the Mantid, who fought the war against the machine, another said. Nectite stared at the eldest Pavian, ignoring the ones who were talking softly, present, but listening to their words and watching the eldest's expression. Then, the Lanaklan, the creators of the ancient warship, attacked the Terrans, another said. Soon, we fear, another ancient warship will attack, heralding the arrival of another precursor species as they attempt to re-establish dominance over the galactic armstub, another said softly. Your people are in need of assistance, the eldest one said. The Bubbian people were willing to assist them. And what will this assistance cost? Nectati asked. She laid her ears flat. We were forced to submit to the Lanaktalan, to the Unified Council. Our home world was destroyed by autonomous war machines, and we were forced to flee. We will no longer submit to a malevolent universe. Cristalli made an outward signal of pleasure. To stand with us as we stand with Earth. To help us understand this new universe where even those that die no longer stay dead. She looked at Major Carnite, still speaking. Pavia needs allies. Allies are new to the Confederacy as Pavia, she said. Allies willing to raise their voices with the great hairless ape's roar of we will not yield. Nectati nodded. I'll have to speak to my people. I speak only for my ship. Sometimes it is one ship that can make the difference, another Pavian said. Nectati sat down, stripped down to her modesty garments, and picked up a heavy brush made of precious metals and inlaid with precious biological extrusions like mother of pearl and naturally flawed gems. Gems could be made, but natural flawing only occurred in naturally occurring gems. She began brushing her fur. Slowly, thinking over the party. Not just what was said, but how it was said. Body language, the topics, and who maneuvered to speak with her and who had not. Nectati had noticed that not even the Pavian military officers had approached her that night, politely making small talk until they could break away, and avoiding Major Carni completely as often as possible. That told her a lot. They were worried despite devoting their entire fleet about the war against the Unified Council. The Pavians were looking forward, past the war against the Unified Council, but what did the tides of destiny could carry their way next? She had avoided making any promises, had dribbled out information, had in return gotten a wealth of information, and more than a few promises in return. Nectati looked at Major Carnite's reflection in the mirror, noting how he was slightly blurry. Only the dull red of his eyes were clearly visible. The ties that bind us can also be chains that weigh us down. End of chapter. Chapter 382.5 Nectati heard the chime of the incoming message and frowned. She was currently looking over the latest data from Newton Varu, checking out the estimates for when factories, orbital manufacturing plants, asteroid refining and other industrial concerns were going to be brought online. Right now, housing and related infrastructure was prioritized over everything else, which she could understand. She waved away the estimations that she had gotten via Hypercom and answered the commode chime. Major Carnite's picture appeared in her vision, looking straight at her from a little square in her vision. Major Nectati, he said, his voice sounding formal. 
Yes, Major, Nectati asked, smiling even though she started getting a flattering feeling in her stomach and her catching hand started to itch. I am going to assign a Pavian security detail to you for a few hours, he said. Is there a problem? Nectati asked, feeling slightly anxious at having strangers guard her. It was bad enough that she was considered important enough to warrant a guard, but having Major Carnite replaced by Pavians really got her anxiety running. Yes, Major Carnite said. He gave a sigh. <sighs> I need a medical checkup. Bavia has fully functional cybernetic clinic and a military medical center. I need to avail myself to their facilities. I'll be going with you, Nectati said, standing up. Matron, he said. He paused. Nectati, it would be best if I went alone. You will be perfectly safe for the Bavian diplomatic security team. Whatever it is, I'll be beside you as you have stood next to me, Nectati said. She was racking her brain, trying to figure out what could possibly be wrong with her bodyguard slash friend. Can you tell me anything? He sighed. A lot of my implants and hardware have been throwing error codes for a while now. It's getting worse. I need to see a cyberneticist. Nectati nodded, moving over and picking up her shoulder wrap and veil. She looked at the veil for a moment and then set it down. I have no time for such brutishness, she thought to herself. I know I should respect local customs, but Major Garnite's health comes first. She put a wrap around her shoulders, pinging the limo service to meet her at the balcony airlift point. Major, meet me in the balcony lifter point, she said. I'll be escorting you. Major Garnite sighed. As you wish. Nectati nodded as she cut the link. She stepped out onto the balcony, only five stories up, and waited. She could see the limo approaching as Major Carnite stepped through the sliding glass doors, the door shutting silently behind him. How bad is your condition? Nectati asked. Major Carnite stood there for a long moment. My combat implant started throwing errors two hours ago. I'm locked out of most of my wear. The limo slid into position, the door opening and the ladder unfolding. Nectati reached out and took Major Carnite's left hand with her own right catching hand. She moved into the limo, tugging him gently. His eyes were dull red, deep inside, and she realized that his eyes were a light blue color. She guided him and sat him down. Terran, military medical center, please, she said. Medical emergency. She was given six choices. She chose the one with a full-service cyberneticist and genetic doctors that had experience with Earth Defense Force soldiers. The glassing was only a few months ago for us, bubbled up in her mind. Can you see? Nectati asked carefully. Major Carnite was still for a moment. Not well. It's like my eyes are stuck in diagnostic mode. Low fidelity, blurry, badly pixelated, low frame rate. Nectati nodded. And you're hearing? Hisses and pops in the background constantly. How long ago? She asked, holding her command stick tightly with both of her gripping hands. A few hours ago. All my systems rebooted like someone's pulse restarted me, he said. Before you ask, no, there wasn't a hacking intrusion. Those systems are cell-gapped to prevent battlefield warboys from gutting me. Nectardy nodded, bringing up a glass of wine. She sipped at it as the limo sped through the air, following the traffic lanes. It was nearly an hour before the limo settled down on a platform halfway up a large building. It was all chrome and battle steel, somehow looking suitably martial while also giving off an aura of a place of healing. Nectati found it slightly amusing. There were doctors waiting with a gurney. I didn't need this kind of reception, Major Carnite said, shifting his head back and forth to keep the doctors in sight. 
I say you do, Nectati said, burming up a voice. The gurney, lay down, now. As you wish, matron, Major Carnite said, a slight smile ticking around the corners of his mouth. He moved up to the gurney and with the help of the Pavian nurses, lay down. Nectati didn't understand the numbers for his blood pressure, cybernetic processing ticks, pulse, respiration, extremity ping rate, or anything else. She just followed along. A nurse with a mask moved up to her, her side hands clasping her middle hand in submission. If you will escort me, Matron Nectati, she said. I will be escorting my Terran, Nectati said. But, um, he, the Pabian began, must I repeat my desires? Nectati asked. The Pavian gave a slight brow and waved. If you will follow me to the observation area, your Terran is getting a scan right now. I will also require a physician or physician assistant to translate the medical terms for me. A living one, not an EVI or a database, Nectati said. Again, the Pavian signaled assent. Nectati was led into a small room with monitors. She could see Major Carnite was laying on a table, completely unclad and the table was moving into a large piece of medical equipment. It moved very slowly over the Terran, visible light lasers playing over his skin. I'm Dr. Shikrek Matron, the Pavian said. He was without a mask, just a sterifield collar around his neck. You wished my attendance. I need to know what is happening, what ails my Terran bodyguard and friend, Nectati said, forcing her hands to be still and relaxed at a command stick. The doctor moved up to the smart glass, opening the windows and looking at them. His cybernetics have 8,000 years of advancement compared to the last time we worked on an earthling, the Pavian said. I understand you and he are previously on what Earth would refer to as the realm of life. Yes, Nectati said. A case Omaha was evoked and we had to flee. Mice, the Pavian said. He squinted at the readouts on the smart glass. Luckily for your bodyguard, we have modern uploads for our imaging devices, allowing us to know what has changed. Nectati was silent as the doctor looked over the scans. We can wait here. He must have additional diagnostics, the doctor said after nearly an hour. Very well, Nectati said, as long as I may watch him on video. He was given to me to guard my person, and thus I am responsible for him. Your people place a high value on responsibility, the Pavian asked. Yes, was all the Nectati said. She watched as they moved the Terran to another diagnostic area and began doing high-intensity scans of his body, focusing on his head. After a short while, the doctor turned and looked at Nectati. We have discovered what may be causing the symptoms, but are at a loss to explain it. Nectati nodded. I understand. Tell me. The Pavian doctor pulled up three-dimensional image of a brain. He threw it up into the upper right of a grid that he summoned on the smart glass. This is the Terran brain, he said. According to our records, this is how Terran brains appear in the greatest sense. There are individual differences, but for the most part, human brain structures are largely the same. I understand, Nectati said. This is how Major Devon Carnite's brain should appear on a scan, according to his medical files carried by his medical implant, the doctor said, putting the image in the lower left. Nectati nodded. The brain scan looked largely like the one above. This is his current brain scan, the doctor said, putting it in the lower right. Nectati frowned. The two brains on the left only bore a passing resemblance to the ones on the right. He has cybernetic and bioware implants and following regions, highly advanced to us, 
military grade, which does not mean what most people think it means. It means state-of-the-art, cutting-edge, not for use by general public, does it not? Nectite asked. The Pubvian doctor shook his head. No. Earthling military hardware is always tested to the point that civilian applications of what hardware is several generations ahead of the hardware. Even software is pared down to specific jobs, as Earthlings believe that multi-role is inferior to dedicated role. He tapped a recent brain scan. His brain more resembles the neural architecture of an Earthling from our time, as if 8,000 years of societal evolutionary pressures and genetic engineering had not altered his brain. He started highlighting cybernetics. This hardware is built for a different neural architecture. It cannot interface correctly. In over 60% of the cases, the nerve linkages for his cyberware, which are nanotechnology artificial nerve fibers, are no longer connecting to any neural systems. As his body is nearly 80% artificial, this has had catastrophic consequences upon him. How is this possible? How is it possible for his brain to be so different? I have been with him the entire time. How did his brain change? Nectati asked. The Pavian waved his middle hand. That is something that we cannot explain. Nectati nodded. So what must be done? The Pavian made the same motion. He must be taken somewhere with more advanced, more modern facilities that can treat him. Our medical technology is almost primitive by comparison. Although we have technological specifications, we have not had the time to build facilities and equipment to treat a case such as this. Nectati nodded. Somewhere of advanced technology. Somewhere used to nanotechnology. The doctor nodded. And soon, earthling bodies are very robust. His body will begin rejecting even the custom cloned bioware soon, treating it as if it were cancerous. As his immune system is more evolved than what we had seen prior, with genetic alterations and other enhancements, his immune system will begin attacking the cyberware or bioware soon. Nectati thought for a moment. Do you have the facilities to put him in stasis? The doctor nodded. Yes. The doctor frowned for a long time, then brought up another scan. This one showed Major Carnite's neural firing. You can see by the scan, using various sensory inputs, that his decision-making process has begun to be compromised in a few last hours. During our examination, he began suffering from sensory hallucinations across the board spectrum. The Bavium looked slightly discomforted. I'm afraid, Matron Nectati, that Major Devon Carnite can no longer provide informed consent, and time is of the essence. Then, as the one who is entrusted with him, I must consent for him, Nectati nodded. Place him in stasis. Nectati felt the grip loosen slightly, and the command stick that she made the decision. I will be breaking orbit within the next few hours. Please transfer Major Carnite in stasis to the It Tastes Sweet Medical Bay. As you wish, Matron, the Pavian said. The Itay's suite was heading for the assigned hub jump point. Pubvia Astro Control had given Itay's suite medical emergency priority for outgoing transfer, and the ship was driving hard for that point. Hypercom link established, the communications officer said. Full EVR link. Nectati nodded, settling back in her command couch. She closed her eyes and sunk into the link, the bridge of the Itay's so sweet reforming around her. The Terran woman was tall, wide shoulders, muscular, her brown skin shining. She was fully clothed, leather and hammered bronze corset, skirt, leggings with bronze shoulder coverings. She had a sword on her hip that she had one scarred hand resting on. Matronette, pleasant to see you again, the Terran woman said. She looked around. No, Devi. Nectati shook her head. No. 
Although he is not present, he is the subject of my call. The Terran woman turned slightly. Leave my tent, now. As you wish, your grace, another voice said. Nectati waited. My apologies. One of my neighbors decided to raid my border, and I was about to mount a punitive expedition to remind them of my strength, the Terran woman said. There is something wrong with my beloved brother. Nectati inhaled and then spoke quickly. Have your people had neurobiological problems with the nanotech cyberware and bioware interfaces? She was still for a long moment, then slowly nodded. Yes, it was largely handled by the implants themselves. His, um, Devi, Nectati nodded, emulating the Terran woman's actions. Yes, only his implants aren't compensating, and the difference between his previous neuroformations and his current ones are quite striking. To the nine-headed tyrant of the underworld with a confederate military, the Terran woman snarled. She began pacing back and forth. Devi is younger than me by nearly a century. I went through whatever is happening across Terran space over two months ago. She stopped, staring at Nectati. Bring my baby brother here to me, where my techno sharpens and my cyber magus mate heal him, and I will reward you and your people beyond our wildest dreams. Tinvaru, matron Nectati, she said. Bring him to me so that I might heal him. Nectati nodded slowly. Do you know why he would react so harshly to whatever is happening? The Terran woman shook her head. No, except that Devi has always been an obstinate little boy. She chewed on her lower lip for a minute, then looked up. He had to have genetic therapy when he was a little boy. His brain was not forming correctly. Something about the hereditary genetic phosphatic overlay sequencing incorrectly. She was silent for a moment. How is he? She asked. For a split second, the Archduchess and warrior missing, replaced by a sister worried for a baby brother. In stasis, Nectati said. With our hyperdrive, we will reach you in 63 hours. The Terran woman nodded. I'll inform the King Nganto. You'll be given priority. I await our meeting, Archduchess, Nectati said. She looked to the side. And communication, we need to jump to hyperspace. Rygelian Syrian Compact. It's going by age. The older a Terran is, the earlier it hits them. Nothing follows. Manded free worlds. How bad is it? Nothing follows. Trianodan hive worlds. Likely most Terran cybernetics and bioware are self-correcting. In nearly 12% of cases, though, nothing follows. Cybernetic organism cooperative. It requires medical treatment. It hits us pretty hard. Real hard. Harder than a Lanaklan attack. It looks like it's getting through the safeguards. Nothing follows. Manded free worlds. What's causing it? Does anyone know? Nothing follows. Biological, artificial, sentient systems. We know. We've seen it before. Then it explains something. Nothing follows. Talcon Forge worlds. Well, what? Nothing follows. Biological, artificial, sentient systems. A temporal warfare strike. That's why Terrasol is responding with the case Omaha. Someone made a temporal warfare strike on Terra. Nothing follows. Manted free worlds. But how? Temporal stabilizers and other temporal warfare safeguards should have protected it. Nothing follows. Digital artificial sentient systems. That's just it. It's not affecting us. Nothing follows. Clone worlds collective. It's affecting us. New clones. No. Born whole templates are fine. But any clone more than a year old... They're being affected. Nothing follows. Tinvora gripping hands. But who's doing it? 
Nothing follows. Mandid free worlds, such distant. We don't know. Nothing follows. Li Bao, contemplation pool. How can they attack Terra without showing themselves? Nothing follows. Hestler, hop hop. Um, I think I know. Nothing follows. End of chapter. And that, my friends, concludes this video. I hope that you enjoyed, and if you do, please consider supporting the author, even by popping over and leaving a thumbs up or a nice comment just to show your appreciation for the story. However, if you wish to support this channel, there are links down below which will help immensely. I will see you all in the next one, and until then, I hope that you have a fantastic day. Cheers.